Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of the Good Works Podcast. Today, Sarah and I are going to talk about what might be your least favorite topic right now, the election. But I promise we're taking it from a little bit of a different point of view when we'll talk about the role a nonprofit organization is allowed to play in elections. And as always, please stick with us until the end when we'll tell you what we're looking forward to in the next few weeks. Well, hey there, Sarah. Hey, Randy. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, back to quarantining for the next couple of weeks. Um, so that's, uh, you know. It, yeah. It, it's, you know. <laughs> it is. It, it, it is, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah other, than, other than that, things are going okay. How about you? Just fine. In the same boat uh, here. And, and yeah, we're we're going back in a little bit as our communities are experiencing micro clusters of the COVID-19 experience, meaning um, we're in the yellow and orange zones. Uh, so schools are going 100% virtual for a little stint and lots more testing happening. And we're encouraging everyone to be really thoughtful about any kind of non-essential travel, um, particularly to Pennsylvania, to our south, which is actually quite close. So we're asking our residents and citizens to be careful and and take care of themselves and, of course, help take care of the whole community. And we're part of that community. Um, but I do know that you got out of your house today, at least for a couple of minutes. So why don't you tell our listeners the errand that you ran today that I actually ran yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I uh, was so excited. I was actually planning on doing this on Saturday, but... Um, things sort of came up for me, but I've had it on my calendar for months and that's early voting. So today I was able to get out um, and I live in Elmira. So I went to the board of elections, which is on the South side of Elmira and cast my ballot. And it just, it's so exciting. I was sitting there like, I feel like I'm the giddiest person in line. Like <laughs> I love to vote. And most importantly, I got a sticker and sometimes, you know, it all depends on when you show up for voting. Sometimes they have stickers and sometimes they don't, but like that sticker today sealed it for me. So, yes, <laughs> yes, I know. This is the very first time that as New Yorkers, we have the opportunity to vote early in person. So I took advantage of it as well. And I went and voted yesterday and I also got a sticker Yay. and I agree with you. The sticker is exciting. Um, and there's someone in my little uh, COVID bubble because we have a bubble with one other family and it, she is, uh, she got to vote for the very first time as a 19 year old. Oh, so so I was able to go to the polls with a brand new po voter and she was just as excited as you and I, and it was really heartwarming to watch someone vote for the first time. Oh, that's so awesome. I love that. So today we thought we would talk a little bit about voting in elections because it is top of mind. Honestly, I don't think I am going much more than about a half an hour without thinking about the uh, election that's happening right now. And as nonprofits, that is uh, a little bit of a, a tricky subject. So we thought today that we would talk a little bit about where the boundaries are as far as nonprofit organizations. So for the the subject that we're at hand, um, we're going to use the distinction of a 501c 
three organization. We recognize that there are C4s that have, you know, can do a lot more around elections, but C4s are actually quite rare. That's not a common designation. Your common designation is called a 501c3 in the tax code. And that's us as the community foundation. That's animal shelters and food banks and museums and um, theaters and all the places that you think of probably in your daily life around what what's a nonprofit. They tend to be C3s. So when we're talking about the boundaries, um, they apply to all those kinds of organizations. So, Sarah, when you think about being a nonprofit employee and elections, uh, what is something that comes to mind that you know for sure that you're allowed to do? So the first thing that comes to mind is just voter education, um, letting people know the the hows, the the whys, the you know where to go, that sort of thing. Um, they're um, making sure folks know that they have the right to vote, all of that kind of information. Um, it's showing them, you know, or sending them to websites to find information on all of the candidates, um, and, and basically just all of that, encouraging, encouraging, encouraging people to cast their vote. You are absolutely right. Nonprofit organizations are well within their rights to do everything you just described. And that means helping people register to vote. That means making sure people know, like you mentioned, where to vote, when to vote, how to vote. Nonprofits can even drive people to the polls to vote. They're, when it comes to just general voting, there are essentially no restrictions on what nonprofits are allowed to do. And I'm seeing now many uh, nonprofits are also making sure that their staff have the ability to go vote. You know, that is actually something we're supposed to do as employers is make sure your staff can go vote. But I see some nonprofits going above and beyond and saying, go, not only go vote, go work the polls, go, go take uh, the time it takes to be a really uh, participatory citizen in our community. And that's all great. Uh, so the boundaries, though, now when you think about what is something you know that a nonprofit organization is not allowed to do? <laughs> well, <laughs> one big no-no is to um, to try to persuade somebody to vote for one candidate over another. Ding, ding, ding. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. I've yes. <laughs> yeah, you get an A plus today. You're absolutely right. Nonprofit organizations cannot take the step of actually encouraging uh, clients, the community at large, constituents, board members, employees to vote for a specific candidate. And that's not just on the national level. That is also on the local level. So you can't take the step into anything that we would consider partisan. So you can say, go vote. You cannot say, go vote for so-and-so. Even as much as you may want to, you cannot. <laughs> That's right. So therein lies what is probably the gray area, the, the thing that seems like a gray, a gray area that really isn't that gray at all when you read the rules. Because this is what sometimes people get a bit confused by is they'll see a nonprofit organization will publish something like a voter guide. Mm -hmm. Because let's say you're a nonprofit that cares really strongly about animals and you've got one candidate that has a great record on animal uh, rights. <laughs> and then you have another candidate that doesn't. So you can't say vote for this person, but what you can say is 
here are the two candidates and how they stack up on our issue. This is how they their their uh, their point of view on the laws that matter to our organization. That's allowed, and you're also then allowed to have the candidate and the incumbent come speak, or both candidates, if that's the case, come speak at an event. You can have a forum where you host an evening for the candidates to talk about how they would vote on certain issues, and you're very much allowed to then focus on your issue area. So that can sometimes look to the community like a nonprofit has gotten involved in an election, but it's still completely within the realm of voter education. Right. I remember doing this a lot when the both of us used to work for Planned Parenthood, where we would, you know, obviously for Planned Parenthood, family planning and reproductive rights are priorities. So during election years, um, we would do just that thing. We would you know, stack up candidate against candidate and basically bullet point out for folks, you know, how they, um, how they, what their views are on that particular issue area. That's right. And that's a great place to cut your teeth because you learn really quickly. You're trained when you work for an organization that has such uh, a tie to the political environment where the boundaries are. And we were able to bring that understanding of the boundaries into the world of the community foundation. So I, I like to think I got, uh, we both got some of the best education possible around the do's and don'ts during That's election sure. season. And do you remember those, those paper voter registration forms that you, we used to carry around too? It was way before that you, before you could register to vote online. Oh gosh, yes. Now there's an app that people can use. Those were not, or that was not the case back in 2000. Yeah, we were carrying around legal sized paperwork to help people <laughs> register to vote. Um, so I do want to say for our listeners, we've just scratched the surface of this issue, but if you do feel like you'd like to learn more, um, there's a great website called Alliance for Justice, and you can just Google it, that gives lays out all of this stuff about, um, you know, where are the rules and the boundaries. And it's important to know them, especially if you're on the board of a nonprofit organization or the staff. You want to... You, you want to uh, be careful that your enthusiasm doesn't hurt your larger organization, um, especially if you're just in an area where you're not sure. Of, you know, right. And I would I would also add that we just have to be careful to to not be too afraid to get involved in in voter education because it is so critical and it is so important for nonprofit organizations to participate in, in educating um, your clients in the community. Yeah, we play a huge role in people's lives. And the state of politics is a, you know, life or death kind of situation. So that's why we want to make sure we get it right. And um, I'm excited about voting or, you know, I'm excited I got to vote. I'm excited to hear all the voting stories of our friends and neighbors and colleagues, because no matter how you vote, the most important thing is getting out there. That's the truth. I would be just as excited to see a young voter um, that I know maybe voted in a for a different candidate than I did, because what matters most is that they are out there and making sure that they're part of the part of the process. Exactly. So with that said, in addition to the fact that eventually this election will be over and that's what I'm most excited about, (laughs) what are you looking forward to in the next 
few weeks. So again, I'm I'm feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but this is such an exciting event and it's going to take place after the election. And that's our uh, 24-hour day of giving FLX gives. Um, it's being held November 13th from 11:59 a uh, p.m. until or no, sorry, 12 a.m. until 11.59 p.m. I always get that so confused. I know, I was like, I think you got that backwards. So yeah, it starts at midnight and ends at 11.59 p.m. That's a much better way to say it. And you know what's funny? This So I'm digressing for sure, but I was looking at some old um, elementary um, report cards and my first grade teacher said, Sarah struggles with time. So... <laughs> There well, I, you have it. <laughs> I think that you have actually mastered time. I think that's just a tricky one. Um, otherwise, I really think that adult Sarah is great when it comes to time. You're Aww. always on time and uh, you're, yeah, I don't wow. think of you as someone who, who's late or procrastinates or anything. Oh, well, Mrs. Ebbs would be really happy that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the last, just the last thing I want to mention about FLX Gives, um, because I just worked on it um, about an hour ago, is that when you're in downtown Elmira driving past the first arena, that big giant marquee, you'll now see um, FLX Gives, you know, it's, it's part of the rotating display. So um, just another way we're trying to get the word out there about the event. Oh, I can't wait to look at that. I will yeah. make a special trip because that's a COVID safe thing to do. Yes. Just jump in your car, go for a little ride and look at the uh, the marquee. <laughs> Counts as a field trip. That's so. right. <laughs> <laughs> so how about you, Randy? What are you looking forward to? I am looking forward to Halloween, even though it's different this year. And I'm a big fan of handing out candy. So the fact that there isn't going to be trick-or-treating in my neighborhood is making me sad. But that's okay because it's important and being safe and healthy is more important than one year of trick-or-treating. So I am looking forward to the fact that RIP, which is Rose's Youth Philanthropist, our group of teenage philanthropists that are part of the Community Foundation family, they have created an online RIP costume contest. And what they want you to do is to take a picture of you sporting your awesome Halloween costume and then donate an item to either a local food pantry or a pet item to a local animal shelter. Send them the picture um, with a little statement about why it's important to donate. And there's a chance to win prizes. So you can find this on our Facebook page, um, or you could just go ahead and send your submissions. It looks like you send them right to Katie, CMM at communityfund.org. And so I can't wait to see what people send in. First of all, I'm looking forward to seeing lots of costumes. So this is how I'll get to see costumes since they won't be parading by my door. And I'm excited to see why people say they like to donate. And then thirdly, I'm excited to participate. I wasn't planning on dressing up, but my daughter is planning on dressing up just for the fun of it. So now I'm going to encourage her to participate in this. So I, I love it. And it's really brought some joy back to Halloween for me. Um, I'm not a scary movie person. So I was sort of like, ho hum. But now this ripped costume contest really has me, you know, jazzed again. So I'm grateful yeah. to them for that. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Halloween is a huge um, uh, holiday in our house. We decorate the front porch. We, you know, my son goes all out for costumes. So it was a bit of a bummer um, this year that, you know, when we found out we couldn't go 
do the whole trick-or-treating thing. But this is definitely a silver lining. And I wanted to add, too, if you're not sure where some of your uh, local food pantries are, you can go to the Food Bank of the Southern Tiers website, and um, they have a list of all of the food pantries in all three counties, Chemung, Skyler, Steuben counties. They serve... How many counties? Crazy number of counties. So. Oh, eight, I believe. <laughs> yeah, no, they are they are all over the the region, and so yeah, they have that, and that's great too. If you're looking, if if you need to access a food pantry, yeah. the food finder is the place to go. Um, and I was going to add, if right now your budget doesn't allow you to make a donation of any kind because people have been out of work for quite a while, and there's a lot of uncertainty in employment, and I know people who are working have taken pay cuts, um, the the animal shelters always need donations of old blankets and towels. Yeah. So if you have some old stuff that's really tattered or, you know, stained or maybe some like old beach towels that you don't have little kids around anymore, any number of things, that's a wonderful donation. Um, yes. So if the one that comes to mind immediately is the Shimon County SPCA and Humane Society in Big Flats. Um, but again, you can take any towels and blankets to the local food or sorry, animal shelter closest to you. It is a constant need in That's that. A great world. idea. Yep. Love that. So yeah, you can participate without spending one penny. Um, and uh, with that, I feel I feel good. I feel some optimism about Halloween and about FLX gives and about the fact that the election season will have to end at some point. Um, and no matter who is elected, both locally and uh, statewide and federally, what we know is that our community will come together and help take care of each other uh, because that's what we do. Right. That's what the Finger Lakes does. That's for sure. So, Sarah, it's been nice to chat with you. Thanks. It's always good to chat with you too. <laughs> and I'm really glad. Uh, thanks to our listeners for sticking with us all the way till the end. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of the Good Works Podcast.